0: does God speak to people? So one of the most basic beliefs in Judaism is that God can and does communicate with people. Without God communicating with people, there would be no Judaism. There would be no Torah. Judaism as we know it began with God communicating to our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God later spoke to Moses, telling him to lead the people out of Egypt with the 10 plagues, splitting the sea, leading them through the desert. So God did communicate with them in that sense. Most important communication of God to our people was when our entire nation stood at Sinai and heard the 10 commandments. We spoke about that last week. When we heard the 10 commandments, God communicated with us. And after that, we believe God continued to communicate with Moses and teach him the entire Torah, all 613 commandments, which he taught to us. And he then, God then dictated to him the written Torah as we have at the five books of Moses. So all of Judaism is built on that initial revelation and the, the initial revelation at Sinai and the subsequent communication with Moses. All of Judaism is premised on the belief that god communicates with people so without and without that belief that god can and does communicate with humans all of judaism would fall away so it is clear that you cannot believe in judaism without believing that god communicates with people the fundamental beliefs in judaism in fact would be the belief in god as the creator and Controller of our world, and then also that he has communicated to us. So, if we believe that God can and did communicate with humans, then it follows that God can continue to communicate with humans if he so wishes. So, we do believe that God can and did continue to communicate with people after Moses. In addition to the five books of Moses, the Torah itself, which includes both our written Torah, the five books, and the oral teachings that Moses taught us, um, which is the base of our halacha, of our laws, we have other books of what we call Holy Scripture. And we believe all of those books of Holy Scripture were divinely inspired. Many of those books are what we call Nevi'im, books of prophets, prophets describing to God Describing to us how God communicated with them. The Talmud tells us that there are 55 prophets mentioned in Tanakh, in Scripture, that we know by name. 48 men and 7 women that we can list by name. Most of whom we actually have prophecy from, in other words, recorded the words that God had said to them. Now, when you actually read the Tanakh, you read about the um, groups of prophets and the many prophets, it's clear that there were thousands and thousands of prophets over our history. There seems to be large groups of prophets in the Book of Samuel, in the Book of Kings. Um, there seems to be you know, various groups of prophets. In, um, whole teams and whole groups. So there were definitely many more than the 55 that we know by name. We just have no record of them. They didn't leave any record um, for history. So we continue to have regular prophets. Some of the more famous ones are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, each who wrote their own books. Um, We have prophets in some of the smaller books, Hosea, Amos, um, Joel, Micha, we have prophets that didn't get their own books, but they're recorded. Nathan, the prophet, God, the prophet. So we have other prophets that we have prophecy from, even though they, don't, they didn't get their own books. So and we had regular prophets pretty consistently from the times of Moses onward for about a thousand years after Sinai. The final prophets recorded in our holy scriptures are Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, who were prophets at the beginning of the second temple period, about 2300 years ago. So those are the last books of our scriptures. Those are the last books of recorded prophecy that we have. After that, there appears to have been an abrupt end to prophecy, and we don't see any people called known as prophets or any people recording any prophecy. From that period, um, about 2300 years ago, um, from uh, from that period, the um, scripture was sealed and prophecy appears to have ended at that point. Why did prophecy end at that point? There's various suggestions given, possibly because Um, With the destruction of the temple, um, we had lost our close relationship with God. Um, Others suggest that with the Greek conquest of the ancient world, um, paganism, or the original paganism as we knew it, um, was on its way out that had been filled with prophets, um, idolatrous prophets, because there were these idolatrous prophets, God gave us prophecy as well. Once the nations of the world didn't claim to have their own prophets, we didn't need it as much either. So regardless, it appears to have ended at this point about 2,300 years ago. But while our recorded prophets ended then, we believe that God can still speak to people. God did, if he can, he still can. And as we're going to see, we believe God still does speak to people. Yes, Bart? Uh, How do you know know whether it's the authentic prophet? I was waiting for that question. Okay, I'm sorry. How do we know if someone is a real prophet or not? That's an excellent question. Let me just see if anyone else has a question before I answer Bart's. Any other questions?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, When you use the word communicate, um, is it interchangeable with verbal or can God communicate with people in other forms?
0: Excellent question. We're going to address that. Any other questions? So let's get to Bart's question. Big question. How do we know if someone is a real prophet? Or to put it in other words, there have been a lot of people throughout our history who claimed to be prophets. In fact, there are many, many people today who claim to be prophets. You meet them all the time. How do we know who's a real prophet? How do we know that someone claiming to be a prophet, claiming that God has spoken to them, how do we know that God really did or didn't? So it should be clear that we don't trust someone who says that God spoke to them just because they said so. So what? Don't believe everything people tell you. Our mothers told us that when we were kids. Don't believe everything someone tells you. Just because someone says they're a prophet doesn't mean they're a prophet. Don't believe even if they are very, very charismatic. And there have been individuals who have come with all sorts of crazy ideas over the years, claiming to be prophets, have spoken to God, and they had followers because they were charismatic. They sounded spiritual. They sounded like they hadn't. That's not enough. Even if somebody can perform miracles for us, we still don't believe their are prophets. Because what appears to someone like a miracle can just as easily be a sleigh of hand or a trick. How do you know it's really a miracle? It's impossible to know. Good magicians can make things that appear like miracles. How do you know? How do you know it's really a miracle? It could just be a trick. So just because someone performs a miracle, miraculous thing, and because someone's charismatic, that's not enough for them to be a prophet. We don't trust them. So why would we trust somebody as a prophet? We only believe prophets who follow the criteria the Torah gives us to believe in a prophet. We don't trust prophets because char- they said so, because they're charismatic, because they make miracles, only because the Torah tells us to trust prophets or believe prophets who follow very particular criteria. Now we believe in the Torah, not because somebody told us, not because of any miracles that were performed. That's not why we believe in the Torah. We spoke about this last week when we spoke about Sinai. We believe in the Torah because our ancestors, our grandparents, the entire nation, the entire Jewish people, stood at Sinai, millions of people, and heard God speak to them collectively. We are the only such nation that makes such a claim that God spoke to our entire people, millions of people. We have an un, uh, we have a continuous chain going back to Moses, to those days. We have, at every junction in our history, recorded, retained that recollection of the revelation at Sinai. So we don't believe, we didn't believe Moses because he told us to, or because he performed miracles. Well, maybe we did initially follow him out of Egypt because he was performing miracles and because he wanted to get out of Egypt and he was the only ticket out. But we did follow him out of Egypt, but we still didn't trust him entirely until we came to Sinai. And then God spoke to us directly, to all of us. We all had a revelation, had God communicate with us. Once God communicated with all of us, we knew the Torah was true. And we trusted Moses. God didn't have a chance, as we mentioned last week, to share the entire Torah with us. It was too overwhelming. We trusted Moses to give us the rest. But we knew Moses was true because God told us. So if someone claims that God spoke, then we don't believe them Unless they fit the criteria that the Torah gives us, which we know the Torah to be true, Because God told us it is directly. So what is that criteria? What is the criteria for a true prophet? So there are two parts to this. Two parts to the criteria for a true prophet. Firstly, they must be a person worthy of prophecy. They've got to fit certain criteria to even have the possibility of becoming a prophet. Secondly, once they fit that criteria, they could be a prophet. Then we need evidence that they actually are a prophet. Two steps. How do you know a person is worthy of prophecy? Here are the criteria. First, They must be an outstanding Torah scholar, expert in Torah. We've mentioned many times in Judaism, the sign of or the communicate, the relationship with God is built through the study of his Torah. Every Jewish leader, every Jewish saint in our history has been a great Torah scholar. So Torah scholarship is a prerequisite for anything of importance in Judaism. Great Torah scholarship is a prerequisite for being a prophet. If they're not an outstanding Torah scholar, we wouldn't even consider them. Don't even pay attention. They must be an outstanding Torah scholar. Furthermore, they must have outstanding character excellent character, a wonderful individual, extremely patient, never get angry, good use of their time, pleasant person, kind, wonderful. They must have outstanding character. Character development is an important part of Judaism. Furthermore, they must be dedicated to following God's commandments, to perfection. A pious individual that is careful to follow every single one of the laws of Judaism. Keeps every single rule, every single halakha, every single mitzvah, every single commandment to its utmost. There are many rules where there's kind of the, the, the regular way you can do it and there's the extra careful way to do it what we call mehudar, the beautiful way to do the mitzvah. They must be doing the mitzvahs in the most beautiful way, being super careful with the mitzvah. Furthermore, they must be someone who is totally uninterested in materialism and the material world around them, not chasing money or fancy things or any other hobbies that are not God-centric, that are not Torah-centric. So a person who has no other drive or uh, interest in life outside of Torah and following God's commandments. So now if someone follows those things, they're a Torah scholar with outstanding character who's extremely meticulous in following God's commandments and uninterested in anything outside of God and the Torah. They're not necessarily a prophet. But they need those qualities in order to become a prophet. They cannot become a prophet without those qualities. So anyone out there who claims to be a prophet that doesn't share all those qualities, you know that they're a false prophet. Don't even pay attention to them. Yes, Carol.
1: So um, I guess I have a lot of questions. Uh, the first one is, can a woman become a prophet?
0: Yes, we mentioned that of the prophets we know by names, there are 48 males and seven females.
1: Okay. Yep. And does someone, um, which comes first? Are you feel like you've been called upon to become a prophet? Or do you just start studying the Torah every day and following all the rules in the hopes that you might
0: the qualities that we mentioned are a prerequisite for prophecy. So they come first. You must be a great Torah scholar, have outstanding character. Now, there are a lot of people that study Torah a lot and are not outstanding Torah scholars. You know, there's people who are unique, you know, Torah scholars, you have to be an outstanding Torah scholar, have outstanding character following God's commandments to perfection and be uninterested in anything other than God and his Torah. So, so those that's a prerequisite. a prerequisite. If you don't have that, you don't have a chance of getting becoming a prophet.
1: Okay, well, I, I don't know why. I know this is totally irrelevant, but I, I had a roommate in college who was Catholic and had told me she had thought about becoming a nun, but she wasn't called to it. And so I wondered if there was something like the idea of being... Feeling like you were called to become a
0: prophet, Bar. but have uh, all of these prerequisites to, become yeah. a
1: okay. yeah. First uh, maybe
0: to be. Maybe you'd ask if fair. somebody's called to become a rabbi or a teacher. Um, I think that's a fair question, and we're going to address it sort of later.
1: Okay, um, I have a question. As far as perfect character, I'm, some of the prophets, like particularly Moses, he got angry and frustrated.
0: Very good point. Um, I guess everyone's still human. Um, even <laughs> prophets are still human, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but anger is not necessarily always bad. There are times when a person should get upset about various things. Um, and so, and rightfully so, the times that Moses got upset, I think we could say he had the right to do so um even though our sages still saw it negatively um but uh, there are times when a person should be upset someone does something you know outrageous then there's a reason to be upset about that to get angry about that oh,
1: okay and so, gonna... anger is
0: not always a bad character but generally is.
1: okay and um and what would be your definition of an outstanding scholar um, do you do you consider yourself an outstanding Torah scholar? You seem to know it really well.
0: Thank you, thank you, but no, <laughs> no.
1: So, what no, would I, make somebody? I, I
0: tell people people ask me about my. I, I like to say I'm like a GP. I'm a general practitioner rabbi. I'm just a, a community rabbi. Um, I'm the general practitioner, but there are there are many great scholars um, who there who are, you know, who we call when we have, you know, big issues in, you know, halacha Jewish law and the like.
1: Uh-huh. Right. God got, got, got angry sometimes. God gets
0: angry too, yes. Anger is not necessarily a bad character trait. In fact, my money says there's no such thing as a character trait that's always bad. It's about knowing when to use it. Good character means knowing how to act in each situation. So you need these basic things, being a Torah scholar, having outstanding character, following God's commandments to perfection and being uninterested in anything other than God and his Torah, Um, these qualities are the prerequisite. If somebody has these qualities and then they tell us that God sent them with various instructions, then the way we test them is not by performing a miracle, but by asking them to predict the future and they must predict not one detail but many 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 details and they must predict what will happen in detail if all those details come true then god tells us the torah tells us we should believe them as a true prophet so if that happens we can ask them to predict what will happen in great detail if they predict what will happen in great detail and all those details come true, then we are to believe them. Now, to be clear, we don't believe them just because they were able to get predictions right. We believe them because the Torah says that is the test for somebody who is a prophet. So the Torah tells in such an instance, we should follow them. Again, this is not your average person out there who's giving us predictions, but this is a great scholar, pious saintly individual who's giving us these predictions
1: there's there's all these christians um it, do they they initially believe that jesus was a um prophet in, in i will the-
0: get to that very good very good question i'm going to get to that to the founders of Christianity. so we can know that someone's a prophet if they follow all the criteria above they then say that god spoke to them and um they then they need to predict multiple things and get it all right. Um, we can also know someone's a prophet if another known prophet tells us that they're a prophet. So Joshua, Moses' successor, was appointed by Moses. So we didn't need to test Joshua to see if he was a prophet. He was appointed by Moses. In fact, we believe that most of our prophets in history, during the first thousand years or so of Judaism, when we did have many prophets, most of them were essentially a Pointed as prophets or announced as prophets by other prophets. They didn't actually go through any testing or anything. Um, they were widely widely recognized Jewish leaders, grand scholars, um, and saintly individuals who were students of other prophets, and then other prophets you know, proclaimed that this individual is a prophet and listen to them. So, But to be clear, we only believe in these prophets not because of their predictions, but we believe in them because the Torah tells us that having followed these conditions, we should believe them. But even if they follow all the above, there's one important condition of their prophecy. And that is nothing that they say can change or alter the Torah or its commandments in any way. God sealed the Torah and the commandments with the death of Moses, telling us clearly. That the Torah will never change the Torah says this Moses says this many times do not deviate from anything that I have told you right or left nothing that Moses told us will change now we need to apply the Torah to new situations because the, Torah, the Moses did not give us every single scenario and the Supreme Council of Judaism the Sanhedrin had the authority to create what we call rabbinic law but the Torah itself, the commandments of the Torah can never be changed. And the reason for this is obvious. It's impossible to truly know if God spoke to someone. If the Torah could be changed, people would try to do it. And people have throughout history. So therefore, God sealed the Torah. The Torah and its commandments do not change. So if a prophet comes and tells us that God gave, them, us, gave him a new commandment for us, or changed an existing one, telling us a commandment no longer relevant, no longer applies, or the rules are a little different, then we know that person is a false prophet, even if they fit all the other criteria. What will God tell prophets? Not commandments. And if you actually look, the Torah has 613 commandments, and reading the Torah you, see, you keep seeing the various commandments. If you open the rest of the other 19 books of our Holy Scripture, the books of our prophets, there isn't a single commandment throughout the rest of the books of our prophets. What is there? There are one-time instructions to do particular things. The Various people appoint someone as a king, go to war, don't go to war. Um, various individual instructions for one-time instructions, but not commandments, not commandments for eternity. There are inspirational messages to the people, telling them off for the bad they're doing, praising them, a lot of that, praising them for the good they're doing, comforting them during times of distress. Or sometimes there are predictions of what will happen. Often the two go together. People aren't behaving. Look what God's going to do to you. He's going to punish you. Or your people are doing very well. Or your people are suffering. Good times are coming. So often predictions of what's going to happen. But no commands And no change to existing commands. But since we only believe in the prophets because the Torah tells us to, to believe in them, not because of anything they've done, even if someone performs great miracles, but says that God told them to change a mitzvah in any way, change any of the commandments or basic beliefs of the Torah, we know that they are false. Because the Torah says so.
1: So yes, yeah. So what if um, what if the prophets disagree on something they tell us about about going to war or not going to war?
0: Yeah, two conflicting prophets. Yeah, there's a story like that in Jeremiah. Two conflicting prophets. One of them is telling the truth. One of them is lying.
1: Well, I mean, what if it what what if it's not two? What if it's a hundred?
0: Conflicting prophets.
1: (laughs) 50 50 prophets think one thing and 50 think another. They're
0: all lying. Think say that God told them something else. 50 of them are lying.
1: Ah. But they can't be prophets then, because prophets wouldn't lie, right?
0: Well, fifty of them are not real prophets. The story like that in Jeremiah. There was a fellow called Hananiah ben Azar who contradicted Jeremiah. Jeremiah said the temple's going to be destroyed, everyone's going to go to exile. Hananiah said, no, the Babylonians are going to be vanquished. Jeremiah says, one of us is lying. Either I'm a false prophet or you are.
1: So um, God is talking to them by voice or spiritually? I will get to that.
0: Very good question. I will get to that. So if a random person comes today and claims that they are a prophet, and many people do today and have throughout history, the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, do they follow the criteria? Are they a known Torah scholar? Do they keep mitzvot to perfection? Do they have outstanding character? Do they have no interest in anything but God and his Torah? Until we know they follow the criteria, don't even bother taking them seriously. Even if they do follow the criteria, we have to ask them to predict the future in great detail and see if it comes true in every detail. But regardless, it should be clear that anyone who claims to be a prophet but changes God's commandments or God's Torah in any way is false. So for that, the founder of Christianity um, and or Mohammed who founded Islam, without even questioning if they fit into the criteria we mentioned before, the moment they said to change any of God's commandments, we don't listen to them. They're false prophets. Don't pay attention to them. Because God's commandments will never change. Now, the details of our views of Christianity and Islam are beyond the scope of this class. I'm not gonna get into a discussion on it right now. Um, we, I do have a podcast on Christi- the Jewish perspective of Christianity and a podcast on the Jewish perspective of Islam. Yes, Lewis. To be clear, as far as Christianity goes, it wasn't Yeshua that created that religion. It was Constantine sitting in Rome. I don't want to get into this discussion, fair enough. I don't want to get into the discussion right now, but I do have a podcast on it and I'm happy to discuss with you afterwards. Okay. So what happens when a person feels prophecy? What does it feel like? So there appears to be different degrees of prophecy. Here's what we could call open prophecy, mivoie, the kind of prophecy that the prophets of old experience in our scriptures. In an open prophecy, the prophet becomes overwhelmed by the experience and is entirely focused. It is often described to us in the books of our prophets with people experiencing seizures because they are so overwhelmed by the experience or falling to the ground. The prophecy is, and it overwhelms the prophet at the time that they get this prophecy. The prophecy can come as a vision. So it's not an audio, it's not God speaking to them but it becomes as a vision. In their imagination. They didn't actually see anything with their eyes, but it's this vision they get in their imagination while awake or while sleeping. As described in this week's Parsha, in a vision or in a dream. It's an experience in their mind. They feel that God communicated with them. Generally, God communicates with them through various metaphors. Like Jacob saw a ladder, or Ezekiel saw a chariot. So God communicates with them through metaphors. And they, together with the metaphor, have this experience or feeling of the meaning of the metaphor. In other words, they know exactly what the metaphor means. They don't have to sit afterwards and begin to interpret it, but they know immediately what God is communicating to them. When a prophet gets this kind of communication from God, it is clear to them that God is speaking to them and what God's message is. Because without that clarity, the certainty that God is speaking to them and the certainty of what that message is, then how do they know if they should follow the instructions that they're getting? So they need to be absolutely certain that it is God speaking to them in this experience and certain about what this message is. And that's the way God communicates with most prophets through this overwhelming experience where they feel God's communicating with them and they feel certain. It's all in their mind, though, what God's message to them is. It's an overwhelming experience. It's the way God spoke to most prophets with the exception of Moses. In this week's Parsha, we mention when God speaks to Moses, God spoke um, person to person to Moses, like a person speaks to another. God communicated with directly with Moses. Moses did not get overwhelmed. Moses had a very, very clear, did not get it through a vision or through some sort of metaphor, but God spoke to Moses very, very directly. Exactly what Moses' experience is like, we don't know. He didn't share with us. But God spoke to them him directly in the same way that God spoke directly or communicated directly to our people when we stood at Sinai. Everybody. As we mentioned, as we mentioned last week, we don't know what that experience was like when we stood at Sinai. We believe it was another sense. In other words, today we don't have the ability, humans don't have the ability to sense spirituality. We can only sense the material world, we can only sense physical things that we can see or touch or hear. But when we stood at Sinai, we had the ability to sense spirituality, to sense God's communication, positively be aware of it, like having a sixth sense. Moses communicated what that feels like, we don't know. Moses communicated with God in the same way. Not other prophets. Other prophets communicated with God, not through a sensory way, where they were able to actually sense God, but through an imaginative way where God appeared in their mind. The prophecy came through an experience, a vision or a dream that appeared in their mind, but it appeared with such strength and certainty that they were certain it was God communicating with
1: them. Can't everyday people have it because you hear people having like, because I had it it, at
0: once. Very good question, question. I'm going to get to that. Excellent question. Now, people can also get a less clear or more ambiguous communication with God. So when God spoke to our prophets of old, God spoke to them, communicated with them through a vision, through this feeling that God's telling them something. But in a way, they were 100% certain that God was speaking to them and what God's message was. But God can make a message fall into people's minds which they're not 100% sure of, or they're not 100% sure of what the message is. Now, such messages we should take seriously, but we have to be careful because it could just be our own imagination. Now, to be clear, this is only for people, not for the average person. This is only for people that fit the original criteria where they're worthy of prophecy for this to even be relevant. So is there prophecy today? Do we have prophets today? And so we mentioned earlier that the prophecy found in scripture ended 1000 years after Sinai, about 312 BC, or just over 2300 years ago. Maimonides writes that according to tradition that he got from his father, he got from his teacher an oral tradition that he had. Prophecy will return in the year 1160. That's what Maimonides writes. He lived just after that. Prophecy will return in the year 1160. Now in the time since then, meaning the last 900 years, we have not had prophets in the biblical sense. That went around announcing, so said, this, this is the word of God. So, in that sense, prophecy has clearly not returned. However, there have been many great leaders in the last 900 years who communicated powerful spiritual messages that they told us they received. They didn't tell us, God spoke to me, so said God, but there were many individuals, saintly, Jewish leaders and scholars who did communicate messages to us in the past 900 years. Among them was a French scholar, Rabbi Shmuel Hanavi, he was called, his son, Rabbi Huda Hachasid, a German scholar, Rabbi Eliza Barrokeach, a Spanish scholar, Ramosha ben Nachman, known as Ramban or Nachmanides. Perhaps the most notable individual in the last 900 years who shared with us volumes and volumes of teachings that he was taught in spiritual experiences that he had was the great Arizal, Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, the great master of Kabbalah, whose impact on Judaism is almost unmatched in the last thousand years. And he taught us much of the teachings of Kabbalah that we have today. And much of Jewish practice today is based on the teachings, traditions and customs are based on the teachings that the Arizal taught us. All of which he was not taught from a teacher. Not something that he was taught by his teachers or only by his teachers, but things that he received from spiritual experiences. Another notable individual was Rabbi Yisrael Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. It was not just the leader and the founder of a movement, but who taught great powerful teachings that he learned from various spiritual experiences that he had where he discovered these teachings. And in the years since, we've had many saintly tzaddikim, many great saintly scholars and saintly individuals who fit the above criteria that we mentioned, who told us things that they learned from various, from spiritual experiences that they've had, who would often give advice to people, tell people what to do. based on their own spiritual experiences they've had and um, told us, you know, various teachings of Torah based on that. In recent times, in our own lifetimes, we've had leaders like the Rebbe. The Rebbe was an individual who fit all the above criteria. In other words, being a outstanding Torah scholar, a outstanding character, meticulous in following the Torah's rules and only focused on God and Torah and have no interest in anything else. The Rebbe predicted many things. People would go to the Rebbe to get advice on medical questions, on financial and investment questions. The Rebbe would give that advice, would tell them what they should do. Often people had amazing miracles and where they listen to the Rebbe's advice. Today, there's a um, organization um, called gem that records, um, in, has interviewed by now tens of thousands of people who have experienced the Rebbe's advice. These interviews are public um, and the Rebbe's impact um, and how the Rebbe gave them advice that worked for them. The Rebbe also taught us many teachings. Um, and so while these individuals that we've mentioned, the last nine hundred years, the Rebbe included, never, you know, said prophecy in the sense the way prophets of old said prophecy. They did teach us things that they were taught outside of the regular human experience, and they did tell us what to do and how to how to act, uh, what we should do about various, whether medical issues uh, or other questions about what we should do about our future. So we have had prophecy in that sense um, over the last couple hundred years um, among the Jewish people it has existed and it's been recorded um, time and again we did have not prophets in the biblical sense but prophets in the sense of people that share God's teachings with us spiritual teachings that they've been taught in a spiritual manner including predicting and telling us what we should do
1: But that doesn't really fit your definition of prophets that you, what they predict does come true. It's one thing to give, it's one thing to teach people the Torah, but it's something else to make a prediction and have it come true.
0: There are people who have given predictions and they've come true.
1: In the last uh, 900 years. And there are some that some prophets that have given predictions that
0: have not come through? I don't know. Again, they, these have not taken on the mantle of being a prophet or said, God told me this. I had a prof- this experience of a prophecy. Um, they had various, So they. I don't think it's prophecy in the same sense as the biblical prophecy, but they have had spiritual, ex- they are people who are to be prophets and have had great powerful spiritual experiences and have given predictions that have come true um, people who give predictions that don't come true people don't listen to them anymore
1: so what Maimonides wrote was true yes. that in 1100 it prophecy will come back okay
0: yes not in the biblical sense in a different Sense than the way it was in biblical times, because they're not kind of quoting God or saying this is what God told me, but they are sharing various spiritual experiences that they've had and information they've been told in these spiritual experiences. Um, we use a different term for it. We don't usually call it prophecy. The term we use in Hebrew for it is ruach or divine, divinely inspired. But we have had that repeatedly in the last. 900 years. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it, we, it's definitely existed among dozens, if not hundreds of individuals that we, you know, that we know of. Does,
1: does the Torah give any indication of why the original uh, type of prophets went away and changed form?
0: No. Um, I mentioned earlier that commentaries have various reasons um, that I mentioned earlier, they're because of a lack of spiritual connection due to the destruction of the first temple, um, or I mentioned earlier because there was less of a need for it since were, since idolatrous prophets disappeared. Um, so there they could be ver- there's various reasons, and there's many other reasons suggested, um, but no, we don't have a definitive reason as to why it disappeared.
1: Yeah. And let, me yes. conclude,
0: let me conclude, Cheryl, and we'll, we'll get to the questions at the So, the Talmud says, we're just running over. So, the Talmud says that from the time that prophecy ended, referring to when it ended at the end of the biblical period, it was taken and given to wise people. The Talmud used the term Chacham adif minavi, wisdom is even better than prophecy. But then the Talmud also tells us that it was taken from prophets and it was given to children and to fools. Now, does that mean that God speaks directly to children and fools? No, clearly not, right? God doesn't speak to them. But what it means is that children have a certain innocence. Children have a certain natural sense of doing the right thing. Sometimes fools do too. The Rebbe points out that when the Talmud says it was given to children and to fools, it doesn't just mean children. There's a child in every single one of us that receives prophecy. Even if we don't fit the criteria mentioned above, we have Prophecy, in a sense. The Talmud and Midrashim often speak of various what we call bat heavenly voices that speak to us and tell us various things. And we don't usually consciously hear heavenly voices. Most people that do have a problem, we don't consciously hear heavenly voices. But we do get inspiration. And we are told that the moment the person gets inspired, gets inspired to do something spiritual, to do the right thing, out of nowhere. Sometimes you don't know where it came from. That's a bat call. That's a heavenly voice talking to you that inspired you and appeared in your mind. That inspiration came from somewhere. Sometimes we're inspired to do about certain decision-making. So I want to be clear here. We have to be careful about that kind of inspiration when it comes to decision-making. Sometimes it could be God sent, but not necessarily so. And we don't have any way to know it. So I would say this, when it comes to decision-making, and you have just this gut feeling Don't always follow your gut feeling. It's not, always, it's not a smart thing to do and you don't know that it's God speaking to you. There's no way to know. So if you do feel kind of a gut feeling about a certain thing, analyze it. Go through in your mind the best path forward. Ask advice is always the best thing to do. Person's unsure what to do, ask advice for more than one person professional advice if it's something that requires a professional a medical thing or a business thing uh, somebody that somebody who has expertise in the field more than one person to get multiple opinions and then once you've relied on your own understanding and med- and expert advice then pay attention to your gut feeling so don't follow a gut feeling against, I would take gut feeling seriously. I think they are valid and you should pay attention to them, but not against common sense, not against expert advice. Don't follow your gut feeling, not a good idea. Follow the expertise and the common sense. And if the gut feeling fits with the expertise and the common sense, follow the gut feeling. But with, not looking at decision-making, just general inspiration that we get is clearly something we should follow. Even if it doesn't come from God, you have nothing to lose. But often it does. And we believe that these inspirational moments are God sent. They're a God form of prophecy that comes to each and every individual. So firstly, if God's sending you a message, you got to listen to God's message. Pay attention to it. Don't ignore it. Act upon it. Do something about it. Firstly, because God told you to. It's God's message. It's a God-sent message. But also think of its power. If God decided to send you a message, that must be because God wants to get you going. He's trying to motivate you, wants you to do good. So if you have that inspiration, yes, that moment of inspiration is likely a message from God, take it, run with it, act upon it, do something about it. Everybody has that sense of prophecy within them. Everybody can have God communicate with them. God communicates with everyone, not in a definitive sense, in the same way he communicates with prophets. But at least in an inspirational sense, God communicates with all of them. When we get those moments of inspiration, act upon them, jump upon them, use that inspiration and God's communication to you to do something positive, to do another mitzvah, to improve your life, improve the life of others, connect to God and his Torah, make it a positive thing, use God's communication. So to answer our original question, does God communicate to people? Absolutely. It is a basic fundamental belief in Judaism that God communicates to people. It's the basis of our Torah. We only trust people that God communicated with them because the Torah told us to, and only if they fit the criteria of the Torah. For someone to have, for God to have communicated with definitively, they need to be a scholar, perfect character, absolutely very um, meticulous about God's commandments, and focused only on God and Torah. Um, Such a person, God can and does communicate with them. We've had prophets of old. Um, prophecy in the biblical sense ended some 2,300 years ago. Um, but in the past 900 years, we've had this new form of prophecy, Ruach HaKodesh, divine spirit, where saintly scholars and saintly individuals, well, both scholars and saintly individuals, have shared inspirational messages that they have received um, from God. Um, and we have, and we should follow those messages that they've sent us. And uh, but truly, what well, we shouldn't believe the average person who tells us God spoke to me, God, that we do believe God inspires people that we don't know definitively if it came from God or not. We should pay attention to those inspirations. We wow. do believe we get inspired by.